You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. All right, welcome in, everybody. Hello. Happy Friday. It is on the clock. I am Ben Kenny. I'm with you again, Phillies 24-7, Sports Radio WIP. As always, we thank you for listening. I am, I'm pretty charged up for the show today. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot to get to, clearly. I mean, there's, there are signings. A certain segment of the market has totally broken. That will be a focus of the show. What the Phillies have to do next. All the free agent stuff. There's this Hall of Fame announcement. And I'm not going to do what everyone else is doing, which, you know, argue this guy or this guy or Utley Rollins, all that. I'm not doing that. I have thoughts, specific ones, on the announcement itself and on the state of the Hall of Fame in baseball. That is coming up as well. But I wanted to start with the big news, the big news of the week. And that dropped uh, one of the evenings, I think Tuesday. Reese Hoskins officially is no longer a Philly. He signs with the Milwaukee Brewers two years, $34 million, opt out after the first year. Uh, His market, I mean, there were the Cubs that were in on it. His market was kind of weird, as was the case with a lot of power-hitting right-handed bats, as we've talked about. But listen, I, I mean, it's a great contract for him. Happy for him, first of all. Like, that's good money. And it's a two-year security if it doesn't go well. If it does go well, he can go and get a longer-term deal. I think Milwaukee is an awesome place for him. And listen, I'm, I'm coming from a place and speaking from somebody who loves Reese Hoskins. I'm not one that focuses on the defense, focuses on the cold, cold spells. Like, he meant a lot to the Phillies organization and to the last six to seven years of baseball. So he is one of the guys, and there aren't many, that when they go somewhere, I'm rooting for their success, not as much as the team, the Phillies, that is, but, you know, like I I will be following closely and rooting for him to succeed. I'm extremely fond of the guy, and that you can't say that about all of the free agents the Phillies have lost. So that's why, like when I say it's a great fit in Milwaukee, I used to work out there. I know the Brewers organization well. I know the people there. Is it a great place to play? It's okay. It's fine. The fans that are in love the game. I mean, I'm not going to tell you Milwaukee's my favorite place in the world. I don't mean to be disrespectful. I, I'm not a big fan of Milwaukee. And their owner's a cheap ass. And their manager just left to go to the Cubs. And, you know, money isn't really thrown around. And that's why this contract is kind of surprising, to be honest. The money that was given to him, despite how they've cut costs all over the place. But now it's a team. Woodruff is gone. Hater's obviously gone. Burns is still there. Um, Devin Williams is still there in the back end of the pen. They have this big youth movement that got them to the playoffs. I just think he fits in perfectly. It's a lineup that can't hit home runs and a bunch of slap-hitting youngsters that get on base. So the best way to to complement that is Reese Hoskins, a power-hitting righty that, hit, that hits home runs. You put him in the middle of the lineup. He actually produces runs for you. So I, I think it fits great, and I'm happy for him. I'm happy for the Brewers. Again, I mean, 
think about how much he has meant to Phillies baseball. When this guy came up in 2017, there was no hope. This this franchise stunk. Everything was a disaster. And now, well, well, he comes up. He has the home run barrage. And I was at one of the games, one of the Cubs games at home. And he hit a late eighth inning home run to give the team the lead and end up leading to a win. And it was the first time, really, when they called the guy up and everybody there's like, oh, we might have something here. There might actually be a player that we can get excited about playing here for the future. And he did for six or seven years. Obviously, they didn't make the playoffs until 22. But then what he did in the 2022 playoffs against the Braves and more specifically against the Padres, I mean, some of those home runs we'll be talking about for hundreds of years. And I mean that. Like, that is a Phillies lore type of postseason hot streak he went on. Now, was he great in the World Series? No. But when I look back, and I'm not nearly as bitter about 22 as I am 23, I look back, and when I think of the NLCS, I think of Harper's home run. I think of Reese going crazy. When I think of them just getting into the playoffs, I think of the home run off Strider. Like, this guy was such an integral part of the reinvigoration of baseball in this town. So, it sucks to see him go, to be honest. It does. Like, he he perfectly, I feel like he perfectly encaptured the team and the franchise because he was very imperfect as a player and as a hitter. But he was very streaky. When he got hot, he was red hot and, you know, could carry a lineup. Couldn't really play defense. Like, he wasn't a guy that just did everything kind of well. He wasn't an off-brand Chase Utley. He was the exact opposite. It's a guy that did some things amazing, but only some of the time, which is it's kind of endearing to have a player like that and then to see how he developed um, and obviously became a, a great figure in the city. I saw, I saw this tweeted out, and if you want to know his impact on the team, generally, the Phillies went 51-14. and 14. That is a 785 winning percentage in games when Reese Hoskins homered. I think over the last two or three years, I don't know the time span for that, but when this guy went deep, they won. That simple. And again, yeah, he defined the success. Without Reese Hoskins, does Bryce Harper sign here? I don't know. Does JT Romuto get traded for? I don't know. A lot of those things don't really happen unless he's able to kickstart an actual, like, real stretch of baseball. And, I mean, there are there were the, plo- the postseason moments, unforgettable. There's the big homer barrage in 17. We're all going to forget the fact that he played left field for a time. That Gabe Kapler and Klintak, or whoever made the decisions, had the genius approach to put Hoskins in left and sign Carlos Santana, then get another, like, five first basemen on the roster. And I love when this lineup is tweeted out. This is the first six hitters of a Phillies lineup. Number one, Carlos Santana at third base. Number two, Justin Bohr at first base. Number three, Wilson Ramos at catcher. Four, Hoskins playing left. Five is Drupal Cabrera at short. And six, Nick Williams in right field. That is disgusting. Like, that is hideous. So I, I kind of equate Gabe Kapler getting run out of town with the Hoskins um, arrival. Because Hoskins was who he was here. Gabe Kapler tried to do his thing. And, I mean, that clearly didn't work. I, I, I like to think that he helped to drive Kapler out of town because Kapler putting him in left showed how how delirious 
he was as a manager. And luckily, kind of drove him out of the good graces of, I know, a popular radio host here, but also the city as a whole. So, yeah, not a complicated legacy, a very clear one. I throw driving Kapler out of town in there. But, I mean, listen, am I am I unhappy to see him, like, am I sad to see him go? 100%. It feels different without him there. And, you know, it does make me more angry that Craig Kimbrell couldn't close out game four. Because Hoskins was coming back for the World Series. If Craig Kimbrell with a two-run lead in game four on the road, you know what happens. If he closes that, they go up 3-1, Wheeler closes it out, go to the World Series against Texas, in comes Reese Hoskins as a bench bat, stepping up in a, what, a game three pinch hit situation? Like, that place would have burned to the ground with excitement. And I think they win the World Series, for the record. So, that makes the departure a little more bitter. But I will say, while, you know, I'm, I'm unhappy, sad to see him go, and acknowledge all of the great that, that has happened, a question that's been asked is, will the Phillies regret it? Will, will the Phillies regret letting Reese go and not finding a way to bring him back? And I, I don't like the dialogue. I don't like the point. I know it was made on, made on WIP, that in a way, this is the point of someone on the radio. In a way, the Phillies chose Johan Rojas over Reese Hoskins. And the thought process was, Harper goes back to left, Castellanos, or Harper in right, Castellanos in left, Marsh in center, and then Hoskins at first. If in a perfect world and we're playing a video game, yeah, I guess that could have been remotely possible. But Hoskins is coming off an ACL, could not have played first base every day. That's why he's going to Milwaukee, where he could play first base and DH, but his bat's in the lineup every day. Um, that scenario would have made it impossible to not have Schwarber go out to left at some point because Harper goes back to first, and then Hoskins has to DH to put him in the lineup, and Castellanos is in right. Schwarber is playing left field. You're getting into the same dilemma that everybody complained about in 22, and that kind of cost him in 22, with there being defensive sieves on the field. And we saw how great the defense was. The defense didn't cost him a World Series trip. That was the bats. The defense actually was the thing keeping them in it and was amazing. Stott at second. Harper at first was a revelation. The Rojas, Pache, Marsh, Trio in left and center. Castellanos was great in right. Like defense became a strength of the team. So this would be the step back, right back into having, again, total sieves and horrible defense. So it was not possible. It wasn't. The only possibility... I guess would have been bringing him back as a part-time designated hitter and a, maybe a part-time first baseman where you can shuffle things around. But he's better than that. And he was going to sign for more because he like there's more interest for him as an everyday player. If he wasn't valued anywhere, then maybe you could sneak him back. But he isn't just coming back for a sweetheart deal and neglecting you know getting a big contract and making money. That, that would be insane. The guy wouldn't play. The only way to actually do it would be to trade Castellanos, put Hoskins at first somehow, and then have Harper and Wright. And I think that works, but you're still reaching the same defensive complications. But hey, somebody had to be moved. Somebody had to be moved. And I think, honestly, it probably would have been Castellanos. The issue is, Hoskins is a free agent. You are not signing him. You're not losing anything with him walking out the door. To trade Castellanos away and get out from under the money, as we've talked about, 
Castellanos is worth more to the Phillies than he would be worth to any other franchise out there. So getting rid of Castellanos, you're attaching prospects to the trade to, to have someone take the money. So you're actually giving up some just to have Hoskins in the lineup. And if we're being honest, like Castellanos stunk beyond incredibly, like unbelievably terrible in the NLCS at the end and is part of the reason they lost. The guy did have a good year last year. The guy did carry the lineup. He was red hot against the Braves. So it's not as if he's a total sieve in the line. It's not as if he stinks. And Hoskins, again, love the guy. It's not like he's Mike Trout. It's not like he's Barry Bonds coming up to the plate and is consistent every week. So there's no way it could have worked. It would have been impossible. Absolutely impossible. And honestly, I mean, I think it would have led to people going nuts on Hoskins about his defense. We get into the same cycle. We remember all the amazing times, which we should, and we forget the hardships that came with him being an everyday player. If it was a perfect world and I can bring him back as a part-time DH, part-time first baseman, member of the clubhouse, vibes guy, 100% I would. If I had a magic wand, I would make him a better defender. That would also mean I could move some stuff around and it works better. But you, you, like we saw what it looks like, you just cannot enter a season with Hoskins and Schwarber both in the field. You can't do it. So the way that it works now with Harper is perfect. And they're, and they're going to miss Hoskins in the lineup, but the lineup's good enough. The lineup should be good enough to win, especially with a full year, again, of Turner being good and healthy Harper. It should be good. And, and Bohm and Stott hopefully taking another step. That lineup should be good enough. You don't need Reese Hoskins. They're not a, I don't think they're a Reese Hoskins away from a World Series. If anything, right now, they might be a Reese Hoskins adjacent like left field bat or a left field bench bat, which I guess could be him, but not for the money, if that makes sense. I'm going, I'm defending him as a player and his time here while also trying to explain that it made no sense to bring him back. So there you go. I, I mean, did I hold out some hope? I mean, yeah, I guess just because he's a beloved Philly. I would have liked to see somehow it worked out. It was just impossible. It was totally, there was no logic in my brain when I'm thinking about how it could work for him coming back. So, I mean, it stinks. Uh, but all that could have been done was done, except by Craig Kimbrell. So, Reese Hoskins is a brewer. That is the big news. That's the big Phillies news this week. On the other hand, in the column of less encouraging news, suddenly, out of nowhere, the bullpen market has both heated up and also kind of washed out, if you will. In a span of like two or three days, all of the possible bullpen targets that made the most sense, not to say others don't, but the ones that made the most sense for the team, all kind of got signed. Josh Hader went to Houston, and we'll touch on the fit with Houston later, but for the Phillies' purpose, that's what we lead the show with today. Josh Hader goes to Houston. Never made sense for the Phillies, but, you know, big-time bullpen arm. I guess, in theory, that's one big name that, we were watching Robert Stevenson of the Rays goes to the angels. That's a guy I think would have really fit and we'll get into the contract, but he is gone. Araldis Chapman, who is not a good person, but still is somehow still in, in the league still plays. He goes to Pittsburgh. He gets $10.5 million somehow. I, w- I would never have wanted him here ever, ever. I don't think he's that good anymore. Also don't like him to human, but There's another reliever. Matt Moore 
if you remember him. He stinks, but even he's off the board. He got nine mil. So all these guys that were potential targets are all suddenly falling off the board bullpen-wise. And what's left is a Phil Maton, brother of former Philly Nick Maton, Michael Lorenzen, if you think his arm isn't cooked, old friend David Robertson also stinks, and, I mean, kind of just dumpster-diving bargain-basement pitchers. That's what's left. So, I mean, we talked about this last week. The way they're talking about Kirkering makes one feel that, you know, that, that this is on purpose, that they didn't really need to go into the market, a market that, I mean, if Matt Moore is getting 9 mil, the market's crazy because Matt Moore sucks. But the Phillies might have entered the market knowing, okay, Kirkering is a late-inning guy or thinking that given evidence from last year towards the end and not needing to go out and bid for these guys. I still think they need depth. Maybe they look at the starting pitching depth as a bigger need. I, I don't know. But it was interesting to see over the last week, like the Phillies were reported to be in on Robert Stevenson, and they didn't sign him. I would have loved if they had signed him. Again, I want another arm. But it's now looking like the other potential arms they would get, I mean, are, again, David Robertson, Sam Coonrod, Liam Hendricks, guys like that, not guys I would like to rely on. They're not somebody better than Craig Kimbrell. That's the gauge I, I want to use here. The guys available are not better than Craig Kimbrell. So I, I think that tells you enough. Um, they're just fine. So I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't feel that bad about it. I guess it's news that had to be relayed. It's all going to depend on health of the guys in the back end. It's going to depend on the pitching staff, to be honest. And this is always a position, and this is the whole, the basis of my approach to the offseason if I were leading the team right now. This is a position that can be so easily fixed at the deadline. Let's say the team is, I don't know, three games out of first place in the number one wild card position in a good spot. And again, postseason baseball, pretty much a lock. And they have kind of a, a hole in the bullpen that they want to address, um, or, or at least they want to upgrade like they just want to get more lethal. There are always going to be bad teams selling off good bullpen arms. So if you want to go do it at the deadline, go do it. That's It's more than possible then. I am I am somewhat okay with the approach here this offseason. It depends on who they get, though. If they sign some scrub, if they sign David Robertson, I'm not going to be happy. I'm not. Because the moment they signed Kimbrell, I knew that it was going to come down to him. And I knew it wasn't going to go well because it never does with that guy. Future Hall of Famer, Craig Kimbrell, by the way which is a tease for a theme of something we're going to talk about later. That guy's going to go to the Hall of Fame, Craig Kimbrell. Maybe the, one of the worst postseason pitchers of all time. That, is, that guy's going to go into your Hall of Fame. So, no bullpen moves. The Phillies did land Kobe Allard from the Braves. Allard is a left-handed starter. He's pretty much an innings eater, crafty lefty, somewhat pain sponge, absorb the punches kind of guy. And I don't I don't mean that disrespectfully. When I say that, it's a, a guy that is going to come to pitch innings just to get through the fifth or sixth inning, and you're okay with him giving up five runs. He's not that good. He really isn't. But you need the depth, definitely, in your organization. You're going to need a starter in June or July to come up, start a game on Sunday. Maybe it's a doubleheader. And you hope he gives up four or five runs, and the offense carries you that day. You need guys like that on your team. So I don't mean this, again, disrespectfully. But 
there's a reason the Braves let him go. Like, the, the guy's not good. So that's who they signed. And it, I mean, interestingly, it gives them a starting pitching depth chart, I think. Wheeler, Nola, actually, for the bit, Nola Wheeler at the top. Ranger, Taiwan, Chris Sanchez. There's your five. That's a really good five. I'd put it up with anybody in baseball. And then, as depth, Dylan Covey, who should not be forgotten about, and I actually am somewhat high on entering the season as somebody who plays a role, as somebody who is important to the well-being of the team. He was pitching well towards the end of the year. He really was. I don't, and you shouldn't, trust him in the postseason. But the guy pitched good innings for you. Everything past that start in Atlanta on Memorial Day got better. So, Dylan Covey is is your sixth. Nick Nelson behind him. Mick Abel, question mark. Griff McGarry, question mark. And then you throw um, Allard in there, probably near Covey and Nelson. You need better depth. There are some youngsters that you hope can pitch, but you don't know yet. And you need guys like Allard to throw into the depth. So I actually think it's a somewhat substantial move. It, it's not going to look like that just on the surface, especially with his name and his stats and whatever. I think it's a, it's a somewhat substantial move. So they might need another arm there. But that's, that's a point in the regular season. I could totally see maybe Ranger gets hurt, Tywin Walker gets hurt, God forbid, and then they need to go out and trade for a guy. And that's where that's where that would be. So, uh, and as Thompson spoke, we we said last week, that's a bigger approach. I think that's a bigger area of need for the team, starting pitching, than it is bullpen. So, a couple different. Um, there's action in one, different approaches with the others. So that is what is actually happening in the Phillies world. Reese Hoskins is a Brewer. The bullpen market is gone, and they signed some scrub from the Braves. When we come back, though, I have to talk about the Hall of Fame. And I, I don't want to do the whole, you know, oh, should Chase Utley be in? Should Rollins be in? Here are their numbers. I'll, I'll get to my thoughts on them specifically. But the Hall of Fame class was announced. I will give you my thoughts on the matter and on where the voting process and the, the hall itself stands. Coming up next, Ben Kenny. It's on the clock. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, 
There's joy in every journey. All right, we're back. Ben Kenny on the clock. Phillies 24-7. WIP. Um, at Ben Z. Kenny on Twitter, if you want to follow me there. I, unlike the rest of the baseball writing public, and I don't write about baseball, so I'm not grouping myself in, but, oh, Hall of Fame season stinks. The, the, the months, the three weeks leading up to it, the post, or as the ballots are being released, the post reaction, it sucks. It is a terrible time to be online. So I won't be tweeting about it. You can follow me at Ben Z. Kenny. So the Hall of Fame did, uh, the class was announced, the 2024 class. Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, and Todd Helton. Chase Outley got 28.8%. Rollins got 14.8%. They're, they're still on the ballot. Whatever it means about, like, Utley might get in, whatever. I, I can't believe it. I really can't. I don't know how... And, and this is a general statement about the Hall of Fame and about how we interact and talk about the sport. I like numbers. I do. I always have. Keith Law, I think, wrote a really good book. Maybe it was Brian Kenny called Smart Baseball. Pretty much arguing that numbers, uh, numbers like OPS are maybe more indicative of future performance than average, which you could see why, right? Like a guy hitting for power and for on base – Maybe that is a closer relationship with the team scoring runs because the numbers mean more. It argued that saves are kind of stupid, that it's just something we've created, has to be three runs, has to be in the ninth inning, and that guys have either gotten into or not in the Hall of Fame because of their number of saves or their number of this or 200 wins or that. What's the difference between 198 wins and 200? It's things like that. I like numbers, generally speaking. I think it improves the way we think about the game and talk about it. But this this Hall of Fame nonsense has become unbearable. The only thing that matters now, apparently, if you go online, and by the way, there is high-level ballot shaming. Someone's ballot gets released publicly, all of the nerds just pile on. This guy stinks. He's an idiot. This guy's F-war divided by 2 times X is actually more than... Some scrub we let into the Hall of Fame 30 years ago, so he should be in. That's how Scott Rowland got in. Longevity, comparing him to some other scrubs that were in the Hall of Fame. It's just the the whole discourse is that, how dare you disagree with me? I can cite some stupid number that I don't even know how it was created to argue for this guy I don't even know to get into a Hall of Fame. Let me state this clearly. Joe Maurer and Todd Helton are not Hall of Famers. They're not. Do you want to know why? I don't have the numbers. I don't have their their career war. I don't have their ex-WOBA, whatever. I can tell you that because I, I genuinely can ask the question, who cares about Joe Maurer and Todd Helton? Who cares about Scott Rowland? Who cares about Craig Biggio? All of these guys who are good players, don't get me wrong, I would take Joe Maurer on my team Todd Helen on my team, 100%. They are good players. And I'm leaving Beltre out of this because I think Beltre is a Hall of Famer. But I'll get to him in a second. Freaking 96%. He got 96%, which puts him in line with Mike Schmidt, which is pathetic. But the bigger point here is Joe Maurer, Todd Helton, Craig Biggio, Scott Rowland, Harold Baines. These guys are in the Hall of Fame. 
and Billy Wagner will be too. And guys including Manny Ramirez, Alex Rodriguez, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, they're not. The guys that you would actually watch play baseball, that actually matter to the history of the game, that actually got you to a television set when the sport was dying, are not in the Hall of Fame, but guys like Todd Helton and Joe Maurer and Craig Biggio are. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. Like, how how can baseball try to market itself to everybody and then prop up a guy? What's Todd Helton's defining moments? What, what did he do? He played in Colorado during the steroid era, had some good years, and then, we again, it's putting his numbers up against the numbers of other scrubs that should not have been let in. Joe Maurer, Joe Maurer wasn't even a catcher for that long. I remember him as a first baseman because the guy couldn't catch, like the longevity wasn't there. And he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, putting him in the class with Carlton Fisk and Pudge Rodriguez and those guys. Like, give me a break. I could tell the story of baseball without Joe Maurer and Todd Helton. I could probably tell it without Adrian Beltre, who was really good for a while and has the counting stats, and I think is probably a Hall of Famer. Probably. He had one peak year in 2004 in a contract year. I'm not going to say he did steroids, but, I mean, I, I wonder how that became his only peak. Really good player. But he is in. Maurer, Helton are in. And nobody wants to root or, or vote, excuse me, for Manny Ramirez. Like one of the greatest hitters of the generation, one of the greatest right-handed pure hitters of all time. Seriously, when when you drop the standard for so long like they have and make every argument just comparing numbers that nobody can explain and that, yeah, I guess Todd Helton compares to Larry Walker, who also shouldn't be in. You see what I mean? We're just getting into this infinite loop of stupid arguments from people who don't even watch them play. I Like the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame. Again, I'm not taking away from these guys. They're good. They're really good. They're great. But the Hall of Fame should be exclusive. It should be something where you know, watching the game, that is a Hall of Famer. For instance, Mike Trout has no postseason success. Mike Trout's a Hall of Famer. Alex Rodriguez kind of stunk in the playoffs. A-Rod's a Hall of Famer. Manny Ramirez, watching him play the greatest right-handed hitter before Miggy and before Pujols of that generation. You watch him play, he's a Hall of Famer. Roger Clemens as well. Same with Curt Schilling. I think Curt Schilling is an ass. But the guy's guy's good enough to be in the Hall of Fame. And yet, next year they're going to put in Billy Wagner, who was a really good closer, who... Again, what's Billy Wagner's most notable moment? The guy also stunk in games that mattered. There has to be that part of it. That has to be weighted. But we have to we have to start taking the Hall of Fame seriously. Just a, a, a really good player like Joe Maurer is not a Hall of Famer. He's not. And I hate to break it to you. I, I am the biggest Phillies fan I know. I mean this genuinely. I love Ryan Howard. I love Chase Utley. I love Jimmy Rollins. I love that era. That made me fall in love with baseball. Chase Utley and Jimmy Rollins are not Hall of Famers. They're not. Maybe Utley is. But 
again, can you tell the story of baseball without Chase Utley? Probably. Probably you can. I think he's going to get in. He's at 28.8% already, and people have done the, you know, he's at this point, and he's going to get to that point. And that's another thing. That's a total other thing. If a guy, if you don't vote for a guy, like Wagner started at 10%, whoever, the 90% that wasn't voting for him, what made you now vote for him? Is that he spends more time on the ballot, so that makes him a better player? It's like he either is a Hall of Famer or he isn't. You don't become more of one the more years you are removed from playing. And that happens to everybody. And that, what I will take exception with, is that Beltre got 96%. That puts him in the class, again, with Mike Schmidt and the best third baseman ever. He's not the best third baseman ever. He's not the best third baseman of a generation. Not even close. Again, A-Rod knocks him out of the water. So I don't know. I like I I see all this stuff happen. And like seriously, it makes me not care. It drives me deeply into not caring. If the Hall of Fame was just, you know, David Ortiz a couple years ago, who also did steroids, so they should kick him out. And then Alex Rodriguez and Manny, and you actually put in the guys that mattered. Maybe I would care more about the Hall of Fame. But the last thing I want to do is get in fights on Twitter with guys that just throw me these stupid stats and war and whatever. I saw next year people are comparing comparing Ichiro to Bobby Abreu. And that's another bit. Use your brain. Is Bobby Abreu a Hall of Famer? No. No, he is not. Is Ichiro a Hall of Famer? 100%. The guy is a transcendent baseball player. And the counting stats are there, and he hits a lot of singles. But, I mean, he's one of the faces of the game, the face of the game in Japan, the best position player from Japan of all time. You can't tell the story of baseball without Ichiro. So that, that's the type of stuff. Like, give me Joe Maurer's most memorable moment. I, I don't think he has one. I think he stunk in the playoffs. Barely made the playoffs. The, the Twins were screwed when they paid him money. That should be the opposite. Todd Hel- what did Todd Helton do in the postseason or in any games that mattered? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So if you throw Trout back in my face, well, Trout is also like a generational talent, and anybody watching him gets it, understands how great he is. Nobody watching Joe Maurer is like, oh, this is the best catcher I've ever seen. No, he's just he was a really good player. He's not a Hall of Famer. So I would I I mean I would somehow shrink the hall. I think our standards have to return to rising. No more of this uh, ballot shaming on the internet where people like see one ballot and they're just totally dumbfounded. Sometimes you don't vote for a guy because he shouldn't get the certain percentage of the vote because that puts him in a class with guys that are better than him, a la Beltre Schmidt. So I don't know. The stuff's already happening for next year. You know, early preview and predictions for the 2025 ballot. You know who's going to be on that ballot? Ian Kinsler. Nope. Not a Hall of Famer. Dustin Pedroia, not even close. I would say CeCe Sabathia, even. Great pitcher, not a Hall of Famer. And then Ichiro. Ichiro is. But Ichiro is going to be getting in with freaking Billy Wagner. Like, how pathetic is that? Where have the standards gone for this? I don't know. There's a there's the mini rant. I, I, I don't want to just be, I don't want to scream into the ether about this forever. It's I, I, I just I find myself not caring. I really don't care. Because everybody starts arguing and 
you know, this was this guy's stats compared to that guy's stats. It's like, I don't know. I, I watch all of them play. These are all people from my lifetime. I could tell you who's a Hall of Famer and who isn't. And it usually disagrees with whatever advanced analytics say a value a guy had in April. So, all right. It's on the clock. I'm Ben Kenny. Um, at Ben Z. Kenny on Twitter, if you want similar opinions, even though this one I saved only for the show. I was not going to express this opinion on Twitter, given I knew what the reaction would be. And if I say I don't care, then I can't then enter the fray. So I, I don't care. I'm not entering the fray. You go. You, you do your thing. You do you. So that's that. Um, all right. Let's do this. When we come back, we talk about the moves that have happened across baseball. A lot of bullpen arms. Some other general moves that um, I want to touch on as we wrap up the show. I'm Ben Kenny. It's on the clock. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. All right, welcome back in. Um, Phillies 24-7, Sports Radio WIP. I'm Ben Kenny, back with you. A uh, a more active week than in the past, I will say. No Blake Snell, no Jordan Montgomery, no Cody Bellinger. There's still a ton of money to be sent and a lot of moves that are yet to be made. But, I mean, finally, the bullpen market really broke. And, I mean, it didn't break to the Phillies, but you get what I mean. Finally, there's some stuff happening. So maybe it leads to the the big guys going next. I don't know. Eventually, the deadline of spring training, which is a month away in essence, is going to get these things to actually happen. But what did happen? Josh Hader, as I mentioned, he went to the Astros. Five years, $95 million. 19 mil a year. I think it's just under Edwin Diaz's record with the Mets. Let this be on the record. I would never pay a closer this amount of money. I would never pay a closer that much anyway. If you, and by you I mean Hater Diaz, name your save leader in baseball, Classe, uh, um, what's his name? Emmanuel Clase or Classe. I saw people want to trade for him. That's insane. You don't need a traditional closer. Or you could put a guy that's good into the closer role before they get paid. The problem with these guys is that they get paid off of their save number, which I mentioned in the last segment, is kind of bogus. Josh Hader, when he was a brewer, I've talked about it on this show, he would only enter the game if there was a lead of one to three in the ninth inning, never in the eighth. And this, I should clarify, was after the first couple years of his career, entering his contract-ish era last couple years before they, they traded him. He would only enter in the in the bottom of or the top of the ninth with a lead of one to three so he could save the game. That's it. That that's the only time he'd enter the game, which is inherently selfish. And it is valuing the save way too much. The highest leverage part of the game is often not in the ninth inning when the team is up by X runs. You want good pitchers everywhere in your bullpen. You want to be able to use them at all times. But I don't like haters' attitude and I wouldn't pay this money for a guy that just racks up those save numbers. Like he's a dominant pitcher. But I don't need a guy. I don't need to overpay for somebody because of the number they produce in that column. 
Because, again, I think that column is kind of crap. I think it's stupid. So, um, the Astros getting him, though, I mean, it takes him away from top contenders, which you credit them for. They didn't need him. We saw their bullpen two years ago. Their bullpen is nasty. But this takes him away from the Dodgers, the Rangers, the Orioles, teams that needed a closer. Their bullpen, again, as I said, disgusting. So, when you do play them in the playoffs, and what they're really doing is they're trying to race against the age of their stars, where Bregman's getting old, and they still have some young talent coming up, but the core is getting old. So, you don't know how long it's going to happen. They're, they're just trying to load it up and race against those guys really falling off. So, I, I guess the moves make sense for them. I don't know. He's going to pitch in the playoffs, and I feel like he's going to kill Harper and the lefties, and I'm going to regret saying this, but this move doesn't fluster me at all, and I'm kind of glad he's in the AL. He's far away. I think he's going to become kind of irrelevant. I think they lose to a better team anyway before the World Series. So that's that. That's the big fish. Next, Robert Stevenson. Three years, $33 million to the Angels. This is a move I would have done. Three years, 33. I think there's upside if it goes well. There are outs for the team if it goes poorly because he has some elbow thing. This was a big Phillies target. The Phillies were mentioned with him um, leading up to before he actually signed. I am like, this is actually a good move for the Angels. They're going to put him in the back end with Iglesias. And if the rest of their team has fallen apart, at least they can maybe win close games. But then they follow this up by giving one year $9 million to Matt Moore, which... I think is it, it's unbelievable that a pitcher like Matt Moore is getting nine mil a year, but that tells you the desperation, or it tells you how poorly the Angels are run. One of the two. So that's that. That was a big. I. I. That's the one miss. That's the one guy I look back on and say, you know what, I. I would have liked if the Phillies had gotten him, Robert Stevenson. Um, Chapman got one year, ten and a half mil. Whatever. He, he's kind of a scumbag. Nationals signed Joey Gallo. This is interesting. Joey Gallo, one year, $5 million to the Nationals. I love this deal. Joey Gallo is a guy that I kind of would have taken on the bench if it's possible here. Just like bring him up. He's Jake Cave, but with more pop and better. But he wants to play every day. And the Nationals are rebuilding. They need his potential and pop. He could put some asses in the seats. $5 million is nothing. Matt Moore got nine. I think this works out for both. He plays every day. He could set his market. He can maybe get another deal. Like, he's kind of on his last leg. That's The stuff in New York went really poorly. So, that that I saw, and I, I actually, I, I kind of tipped my cap to the Gallo camp and to the Nationals for getting that done. Um, and then there's the Hoskins deal. Two years, 34 mil. Um, Brewers need power. Hoskins brings power. Simple. Very simple. So let's do this, actually. Um, that's all the moves that I wanted to pass along. Guys that are yet to be signed. And I want to do this. I It's not a ranking, but I just have a list of people who have not signed yet and potential fits that guys I would still target. Joey Votto's one of them, and he's actually interesting. I would be okay with a bench utility Joey Votto if that's something he wants to do. If he just wants to come in, hang out, be a good person in the clubhouse, get some pinch hit opportunities, Play some first base here and there. I'm good with Joey Votto. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, Clayton Kershaw's out there. No chance. Jock Peterson, I've talked about his name. That's a platoon that makes sense. He did the weird flirtation with 
the Instagram post with the Fanatic earlier this offseason. Still hasn't signed. Um, Liam Hendricks is a reliever that I would not go out there and get. Bellinger's the big one. He has a qualifying offer, so you're giving up a draft pick and a pretty substantial contract to get him. No chance. I don't want Bellinger. Do not sign him. Justin Turner, third baseman, former Dodger, obviously, Red Sox recently. I would be fine with Justin Turner. I don't think he I don't think he can play the outfield. So again, I, I am thinking in the realm of who can come off of the bench and provide a just give value, give some good at bats, be there when the postseason comes around. I don't think they would actually do that for Turner. Other guys, uh AJ Pollock could play left. I'm good on him. He had a lot of potential years ago. I don't know where it's gone. There is uh Gene Segura. No. Will Myers, you know, the guy that doesn't use batting gloves, former Padre. He stinks. No chance. Matt Chapman is a big fish. He's out there. He's not coming to Philly, but where he goes is interesting. He also has a qualifying offer, and he's going to get a lot of money. And his offensive numbers have dipped, but he brings great defense. It's a weird, like, how many years do you give to the guy? He'll be a good player for a year or two. But then he's going to reach the end of the cliff, and he's already 30. So you don't really know when that's going to come. He's already started to tail off. Jorge Soler is out there. Now that's somebody, I mean, talk about being crazy and being, um, getting a little bit over my skis. If it could somehow work, and that would involve putting Schwarber in left and maybe putting Soler in left, I don't think he can play the outfield. That would be... That would be dangerous, to say the least. The problem then is, I mean, you think they're already home run reliant. Now add a Jorge Soler to the mix. It doesn't really help that issue. That's never going to happen. But there's this, like, middle of the lineup dream that is somehow him coming up after all the other big hitters. Not going to happen. And, and it doesn't make much sense, if we're being honest. Um, Who else? Brandon Woodruff is still unsigned. He's out the whole year. And he got non-tendered by the Brewers. Again, that's a guy I would I would go out and, and grab and have for next year. And hopefully for a couple a couple years of peak where maybe you can make another run with him. Then you have Blake Snell and Montgomery. Uh, we, we've talked endlessly about them on this show. David Robertson. Um, a couple more DHs. It's like the, the market is kind of drying up. Not, not much impressive. Not much overly impressive stuff. Um... On the market still. So maybe they stand pat. Maybe there's another sneaky move. A Shintaro Fujinami. Like nasty stuff. Uh, no, Does not know where it's going. Um, the reliever. So I don't know. I, I, I can't predict it. I think. Um, I, I think Stevenson was a big target. And obviously that fell through. So there is some. There's some desire out there clearly. I just don't know what the execution is going to look like. So. There you go. That's that's pretty much what we're looking at. It is on the clock. I'm Ben Kenny. Uh, we'll step away. We come back. We close it out on the other side. All right. We are. I, I am back. I'm Ben Kenny. Phillies 24-7. WIP. As I was recording, apparently, from a John Gambadoro radio in Phoenix, Arizona, Jock Peterson is a Diamondback. So take him off of the market. Add him to the list. Diamondbacks have been pretty active. Eduardo Rodriguez, Jock Peterson. So they're kind of, I mean, my point stands about, you know, them not being the big threat in the NL, even though they're the defending champions. 
My point stands there. But they're making moves. They're setting themselves up to try to still be in that mix. I mean, in that division, they're behind the Dodgers, undoubtedly. Maybe they're above the Padres. I think there's a weird return to the mean season for the Padres, even though they've lost Snell and Soto and they cut their payroll. I think they'll be a solid team. But they're the Diamondbacks are not the class of the league. And I stand by my take that teams are making moves to try to beat the Phillies. It shows you in what the Phillies have not done this offseason, to be honest, and what other teams have scrambled to do, what the Dodgers have scrambled to do. The Phillies and the Braves have kind of stood pat. The Braves wanted a Harper stopper. They wanted a guy that's better than Bryce Elder in the playoffs. They got him in Chris Sale. Phillies haven't really done anything. They brought Nola back, and that's it. So I think that tells you with where these teams think they stand and where everybody else also sees them. Um, but, I, I mean, what are we what are we looking for in the next couple of days? We are uh, still counting down the days to spring training, less than a month away. As I go on the MLB website, and I don't want to do this rant again, but I'm seeing Joe Maurer and Todd Helton get into the Hall of Fame, and I'm unhappy, to say the least. But I don't know. I, I still am am focused on maybe one more addition to the team before we actually turn our head to spring training, talk about guys we want to break out, guys we're focusing on. So who knows? Hopefully that comes in the next week. Hopefully, uh, actually, there's something. There, there's there's things happening elsewhere. There are. Not really happening with the team except for losing Hoskins. So we will, um, we will see. Until then, uh, I'm Ben Kenny. We thank you, as always, for joining. If you disagree with the Hall of Fame takes at Ben Z. Kenny on Twitter, yell at me about the war of your favorite player. I don't care. But I'll catch you next week, as I always do. Same place, same time. Appreciate everybody listening. We'll talk to you then. See ya. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. 
Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.